May it please the court, Alyssa Barnardiani for defendants' appellants. We're here because a U.S. court is dictating what's happening in Peru. Having persuaded the district court to apply Missouri's substantive law at the motion to dismiss stage to their environmental tort claims about a smelting facility in Peru, plaintiffs have gone a step further and sought to apply Missouri's attorney ethics rules to a Peruvian attorney in Peru. Now wait, you say the other side? I thought the other sides agreed that the Missouri rules don't apply in their brief. So, Your Honor, what the the plaintiffs appear to contend in their brief is that Rule 4.2 does not literally apply, but they have two two arguments. One appears to be that plaintiffs, uh, sorry, the defendants are circumventing Rule 4.2, and the other is this new uh, All Writs Act argument well, that they didn't press below. Counsel, I'm dying to ask you this. I didn't get from the briefs, and I didn't understand from anything you filed with the court about everything going on in the district court. This is a snowflake on Antarctica. When the district court's holding joint status conferences and joint discussions and taking briefs from you all about the propriety of all the Peruvian stuff, and there's other things in the Florida court, a case going on, and it's all about the All Writs Act. Um, I was very disappointed the way you were trying to keep us in the dark. So isn't the right thing to do in this case to, to get it back to the district court, which is having hearings about it and issuing courts' uh, opinions on this and everything else, and considering the All Writs Act, which wasn't even considered, right? No, Your Honor. The appropriate course of action is to focus on the motion that the plaintiffs made and the order that we have before the court. The motion was based exclusively on Rule 4.2 of the Missouri Rules of Professional Conduct. And the court's justification in the hearing and in his initial order are exclusively about the application of Rule 4.2 to a foreign attorney in Peru acting in connection with a Peruvian criminal investigation. And all of this post hoc rationalization is about facts that happen after the court issued that order, the All Rights Act was not addressed below. Do you agree with me this is the spec on Antarctica compared to all the stuff you're talking about in the district court? We Certainly this is a discrete issue on appeal. We're appealing the That's March a very nice court. way to say if you, listen, if you read that stuff and listen to it. Uh, I looked at the transcript. It's not close. I mean, you've got all kinds of allegations about all kinds of things. The Peruvian interviews are nothing like all the ex parte communications they're talking about the Peruvian investigation, and about the All Writs Act. I mean, it just, and, and you've been doing this since March. So, uh, Your Honor, the, the, the order that's on appeal here was issued on March 24th. Uh-huh. It's about the plaintiff's March 22nd uh, motion about Rule 4.2. Right. And in their, in their briefing here in this court, the court taught, the plaintiffs invoke a lot of stuff that happened after that order issued. Right. By definition, the things that happened after that order issued, after their motion, aren't relevant to the propriety of this order. Aren't relevant. They're talking, about, they're talking about this very stuff, too. There is a separate motion raising separate issues that's pending in the district court. It's been t- pending for six months. The district court hasn't taken any action on that Now, motion. counsel, they had a joint status conference, the two district judges with all of you, on October 28th. They did. The district lengthy, court, and you had lengthy everything on it. There was a separate status conference and a separate motion related to separate proceedings that aren't at issue in this appeal. So and you the think court, the only issue on the appeal is whether Missouri Rule 4-4.2 applies in Peru, right? Yes, that so was the motion. Us? Okay, good. And that was the order that the district court issued on March 24th, 2022. And the events that happened after the court issued its order are a distraction. They're not relevant to the propriety of the order on appeal here. And what is at issue in this court is, as Your Honor said, the extraterritorial application of Rule 4.2 in Peru. And as you suggested, the plaintiffs 
don't really try to defend the district court's order that it sought and that the district court actually issued. The rules of professional conduct don't apply extraterritorially to Peru. And again, Peruvian counsel is representing the defendants in connection with a Peruvian investigation that was initiated. I'm concerned about jurisdiction. Um, This smells to me like a a pretrial discovery order. And we don't normally take up pretrial discovery orders. So tell me why. How do we have jurisdiction? The court has jurisdiction under Section 1292A1 because the court's order is injunctive in character. It isn't a discovery order or a case management order because it's not limited to what the parties are doing in this court. What the court's order does is it enjoins Peruvian counsel acting in Peru in connection with a Peruvian criminal investigation. And so it is effectively an anti-suit injunction prohibiting the involvement in, in foreign law proceedings. And so that's why it's an appealable injunction under 1292A2. But that does not mean that the plaintiffs are right about the reason that the court issued the order or the propriety of the order. You know, the basis for the order was Rule 4.2. Well, counsel, you have pending a motion for anti-suit injunction about everything. Right? No, Your Honor. The motion that's pending in the district court is exclusively directed at the Florida proceedings. The motion that's currently pending in the district court is not about the Peruvian investigation. That well, wasn't the boy, basis. Well, boy, the transcript is full of the Peruvian stuff. So you, you say there's not a motion. You're, you're lawyering me a little bit. There's not a motion on it. You just talk about it all the time. Right? So, you know, there's, there is not a motion that's pending about it. The only motion ever made about the Peruvian proceedings, the only order that the court has ever issued about the Peruvian proceedings is about Rule 4.2. Counsel, at the Joint Status Conference, there's extensive discussion of the propriety of enjoining the Peruvian investigation by the All Writs Act. Right? I, I, Honor, I read I it. Page 709. I read it. Your Honor, I think that, ex- that shows that it wasn't at issue before the court and, in and, the order under and appeal. And when, Judge, when uh, Chief Judge Sippel, then Chief Judge Sippel, made his order... He was doing it at a discovery conference, the one you're trying to appeal, right? So, yes, it was a discovery conference. Right, and he just added at the end of a discovery conference, right? Your Honor, again, the motion that the court was considering and the reasons that the court gave in the addendum, we see it at pages, you know, 14 to 15. The exclusive justification the court provided was that he did not want the defendants engaged in ex parte communication with the plaintiffs. That was the explicit stated reasoning of the court in response to the motion about the same topic. And again, Rule 4.2 doesn't apply extraterritorially to Peruvian counsel. It doesn't apply to defendants. Uh, So as I said, plaintiffs have essentially abandoned the argument that it literally applies to Peruvian counsel and now seem to suggest that there's something untoward about defendants circumventing Rule 4.2. But it's an attorney ethics rule. It does not dictate the conduct of the defendants in Peru. The defendants can't circumvent the rule because it doesn't apply to them. And they are entitled under Rule 4.2 to have direct communication with the plaintiffs, either here or in Peru. And so there's nothing to circumvent. So the fact that the rule doesn't literally apply is the end of the road on the Rule 4.2 argument. You know, it doesn't extraterritorially apply in Peru, but even if the rule applied, there's no communication with, ex- with the plaintiffs in Peru because sitting in... We don't have fact-finding on really what happens there in this appeal, right? By the way it was done with the district court just saying it during discovery conference and then issuing the order. We didn't have fact-finding about what, what communication even at, actually happens in Peru, do we? That's right. There was a disputed fact and it wasn't resolved, but right. it actually doesn't matter to the court's order because Oh, the my court goodness gracious, counsel. It matters whether you're sitting in the back of a public proceeding, 
or whether you get to ask questions, that's night and day, right? So it certainly matters to the Rule 4.2 inquiry in the in the abstract, but what the court ordered, the court ordered the Peruvian counsel not to attend witness interviews. He didn't order the Peruvian counsel not to ask questions. So whether or not Peruvian counsel can ask questions is just not directly relevant to the relief that the court provided. And what the court's order actually does is not rooted in what 4.2 requires. You know, addressing sort of the All Writs Act argument more directly, you know, again. Now, the All Writs Act was not raised at all in the district court, right? It was not. The plaintiffs did not raise it in their motion, and, and the counsel, district court Isn't the implication it. of many U.S. Supreme Court cases and many Eighth Circuit cases that the district court's supposed to rule on that first? Is supposed to, no, Your Honor. The issue wasn't raised below, and it's not jurisdictional. There's no reason that the district court had a sua sponte obligation to rule under the All Writs Act in March 24th. But shouldn't they, in this case, rule on the All Writs Act first? It's their jurisdiction we're talking about, right? Your Honor, it's not a jurisdictional issue. That's what the All Writs Act's Act about, counsel, in case you don't know. Read it. Uh, it's all about jurisdiction. Writs in aid of their jurisdiction is the ending of it, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, Court. Yes, Your Honor. Excuse me. I had misunderstood the question. The, the, the justification for issuing a writ under the All Writs Act is to protect the district court's jurisdiction. That's right. Uh, but again, setting aside whether the issue was presented, it's not supported by the record. What is happening in Peru doesn't violate the district court's discovery orders. Those were discrete discovery orders. The plaintiffs sought the production of very specific documents, including the plaintiff profile sheets, for example. And attending witness interviews in Peru sitting in the room while that's happening doesn't result in document production to Peruvian counsel. And it also doesn't violate the spirit of the order. If you read the transcript from March 24th hearing, the concern was about case management. What the district court didn't want was to get bogged down with discovery on thousands of plaintiffs. So what he said was that we were going to focus on the trial plaintiffs, the 108 trial plaintiff pool, and we'll take discovery of whatever's relevant from those people. You can get everything that you want about those people. And that case management concern isn't relevant to the Peruvian investigation and whether counsel sits in or doesn't sit in in the investigation that's going on. But more fundamentally, you know, the bar for enjoining proceedings under the All Writs Act is extraordinarily high. The cases the plaintiff's cite say they have to make the, the orders before the court, the court's proceeding, they have to render them a nullity. That's the standard for finding that they affect the district court's jurisdiction. And the proceedings in Peru do not come close to meeting that high bar. If the court has no further questions, I'll reserve the remainder of my time for rebuttal. Very well. <clears throat> Your Honor, Kenneth Chesbro for Plaintiffs and Appellees. <clears throat> May it please the court. Uh, Judge Benton, you're correct that in October there's a joint status conference where there's extensive discussion of this. And I, I believe that the issue before the court, the, the specifics of the Rule 4, 4.2 uh, application in Peru, is a tiny issue for the reason that uh, Judge Sippel basically laid out uh, his approach to uh, conflicting uh, uh, plans by, uh, by counsel for how to deal with the issues of fraud that arose in in October 2021, uh, the, we, for the plaintiffs, wanted to extensively discover the Jones Day report process uh, to, to figure out whether there was uh, uh, any any uh, problems with the witnesses that were being relied on uh, for the claims of fraud. But on the other side, Doe Run uh, wished to um, 
basically discover the files of plaintiff's counsel and the contacts with nearly 2,000 plaintiffs. And so what Judge Sipple decided to do was to focus on the 108 trial pool of plaintiffs and have a process by which each of those plaintiffs or their uh, parents in Peru would have to show up and have to re-verify that they wish to proceed with the lawsuit, that the documents were genuine, and they'd have to sign release papers uh, to ensure that uh, Doe Run could obtain confirmation that all the documents were, in fact, legitimate. That process was finished by June 4th. And uh, in the July status conference uh, uh, in uh, uh, docket uh, uh, 679 uh, at 13 to 15, uh, it was reported that basically there was no evidence of fraud found by looking at the 108 trial pool plaintiffs. That is, of the 108, uh, 92 uh, were fully verified as wanting to proceed. There were others that didn't show up uh, that were dismissed with prejudice. And in the status hearing on October 28th, uh, counsel for uh, uh, Doe Run at 64 said that, oh, the, the, we, we now are really concerned about those that were dismissed with prejudice because under their theory, people that were dismissed with prejudice, so those must be the ones that uh, had files that were infected by fraud because maybe they were dismissed with prejudice because they didn't want to proceed. And so the thing about Judge Sipple's uh, March 24th order that's so significant is that he made very clear that it's none of his business what Doe Run does in Peru regarding those that were dismissed with prejudice. Doe Run is completely free to work with the prosecutors in Peru and go through the hundreds of people that were dismissed with prejudice apparently and find evidence of fraud. They could be in the room, they could ask questions. That's the place where Doe Run's theory is fraud will be found. Well, you just convinced me this is a discovery dispute if God ever invented one. Uh, well, yes, it's discovery into the, the claims that, uh, that there's fraud in the files of the plaintiffs before Judge Sippel. And so, uh, the, the, so, so the, the reason this is a very small issue, the, the issue of uh, the ability of Doe Run's lawyer in Peru to be in the room with our current clients that are currently before Judge Sippel, is that they never claimed in the March 24th hearing that there were any there was any effort by, by Doe Run to, to, to engage in the process. They, they insisted that everyone being interviewed in Peru uh, was dismissed without prejudice, and that was a guardrail for them. They weren't going to do that. And then subsequently, in, their, the, in the, in the uh, motion papers uh, that were filed, uh, uh, a month later, they again said that we were misrepresenting. Uh, we were misrepresenting uh, uh, the situation by claiming that there was any effort by Doe Run to interview uh, current plaintiffs. But it was only uh, in the motion for a stay of appeal that Doe Run then suggested um, that um, this is in uh, Docket 628 at 11. They said, "Well, given that there are ongoing uh, law enforcement interviews with the current plaintiffs." Uh, uh, what they suggested was that there may be in the future law enforcement interviews of current plaintiffs. That was the only time that they, they took the position that they wanted the ability to talk to our current clients in Peru. And that's where it's so important that Judge Sippel came back with a formal opinion, not just the oral statements of March 24th. On May 19th, he issued the, uh, the decision that's in addendum at 18 and 19, where he specifically states, and this is, I think, in line with the All Writs Act. Even though we didn't cite it, he's exercising... It was not discussed at all the first case, right? It wasn't discussed... And it is motion. the focus of what's going on now in the district court, right? Right, regarding okay. the Florida actions. But at 18 and 19... And everything else. No, that's more wide-ranging than just Florida. There are more allegations about Peru and what's going on there. Y yes, that there's... Yeah, lots more. 
Right, and so, so this may evolve into a further motion uh, regarding Peru. But the, the reason I, I cite uh, Addendum 18 and 19 as significant is that, that is where, after Doran specifically stated that their agenda is to interview our current clients in Peru without us being present, that's where Judge Sippel says, look, this is an attempt to circumvent the limitations of Rule 4, 4.2. He wasn't saying that it exeterritorially applied to Peru, but he said that the lawyers of Doran before Counsel, it sounds court, like lawyerly talk. And I realize you're, you're bound yes. ethically to say what's right, but I read what you say in your brief. You're not really, will you say so? Uh, you, you correctly say that Rule 4-4.2 does not apply to Peru lawyers. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. I'm very close to your words there. You're not defending the court's order based on 4.4-4.2. Right. We're defending on what he says in Addendum 19, which is, the defense lawyers before me in this court are bound by 4 or 4.2, and therefore they cannot go to Peru to talk ex parte with the clients, the plaintiff's counsel. And so what I'm saying is they are trying by hiring a Peruvian lawyer. They are effectively circumventing my order that we're only focusing on, uh, on current plaintiffs in the trial pool and not plaintiffs uh, other, other beyond the 108. So that effectively it's using the Peruvian lawyer as a cat's paw to achieve something that uh, he doesn't want to allow in terms of discovery in his court. So that's, that's effectively why, why we um, are, are focusing on, uh, on Rule 4.2 as limiting defense counsel in the United States and his finding that there's an effort to circumvent that limitation by hiring a lawyer in, in another country. So you think we have to, have to defend it on a different ground than he ruled on? Well, it's the, the, the ground, it, the, he, I think he never ruled as I think makes clear for this, March, uh, this May 19 order, he did not, never ruled that, as clarified here, he never ruled that it directly applied to proving lawyer. He said it applies to defense counsel in my courtroom, and I want to prevent the party from circumventing that limitation on discovery in my case. And that's almost a laughable argument because, you know, parties can talk to each other in the hallway and settle a case. That's true. And, and tell the lawyers, get lost, we're settling the case. Get yes, lost. Yes, indeed. So I think, so... So, so that, that's pretty fast, that's pretty uh, thin. It's beyond thin, I think. Right, I mean, right. The, the, to, to say that uh, the party cannot uh, right. have an agent in Peru, that would not be covered right. by Rule 4, 4.2. Yes, sir. Um, so, so we agree with that. Um, so um, the... Um, So, so it, to, relating to the issue of whether to remand this, I understand the impulse to say that there was no uh, actual analysis of the All Rights Act by Judge Sippel in this context, and that he's only reviewing it regarding the Florida actions. But I believe that if you look at the, the May uh, 19th order, where he clarifies that he wants to prevent a circumvention of his plan for discovery uh, uh, of the allegations of fraud in this court, that... Um, uh, that, that 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 it's clear that, that it's clear that, that analysis is fully uh, supportive of an All Rights Act exercise of authority, so that there wouldn't need to be a remand. As to Judge Grunder's question about um, uh, jurisdiction, um, yeah, you in fact had a pretty extensive motion to dismiss based on lack of jurisdiction, right. which you withdrew. Right. Uh, that was uh, that was at a time when. Um, it was being viewed as more of a protective order tied to an existing discovery dispute. I think you could see it either way. Um, but the, the reason why it could be viewed as an injunction is that be, precisely because the attorney in Peru is not an American lawyer who has made an appearance in this case, 
it, it effectively prevents him, it, it, it operates in a way that is the more injunctive character. That is, we all understand that the protective order can be directed against a party and against attorneys who appeared. This is a more ambiguous situation. Um, if you had questions about whether there's actually jurisdiction because it may not be an injunction, uh, then uh, you could, I think, remand it, and this could be combined with the um, All Writs Act questions regarding Florida. And then at the end of that process, Judge Sippel could certify this for, for review of all the issues. That might be a way to avoid a non-jurisdictional issue. And it might also relate to Judge Benton's uh, point that this is a relatively small contained matter compared to the, the more significant issue of whether Judge Sippel uh, can maintain control over his courtroom and prevent a door run from running off to Florida and asking judges there to uh, rectify fraud before Judge Sippel without telling those judges that Judge Sippel had already considered it. And it's also Judge compliant. Perry. These are joint two district conferences. Yes, that's as true. You, and as you well know, two judges in two cases are involved. Right, and, and it, it appears that Judge, uh, Judge Perry uh, deferred to Chief Judge Sippel to take the lead on this. Uh, so uh, if there are any further questions, I'd be happy to answer it. Otherwise, uh, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chesbrough. Rebuttal. Your Honors, I'd like to begin with the plaintiff's motion to dismiss this appeal, which Your Honors brought up. That motion was filed in June of 2022. And in June of 2022, the plaintiffs represented to this court that the district court's order was not an injunction. And that's strong evidence that nobody in this case, not the parties, not the court, understood as of June 2022 the district court's order to be an injunction under the All Writs Act. Everybody, as of June 2022, understood this to be about Rule 4.2. I thought you just argued to me that the basis of the injunction was, or the basis of our jurisdiction was that this was like an anti-suit injunction. Yes, Your Honor. To be clear, we believe that the order is injunctive in character, but the order that we're talking about is the, rule, the application of Rule 4.2 to Peruvian counsel's actions in Peru to bar him from attending Peruvian law enforcement proceedings has the effect of an anti-suit injunction. But the reason that the court gave for that order that has injunctive effect is Rule 4.2. So the application of Rule 4.2 was the basis for the, for the order in the district court. Now, the plaintiffs rely extensively here on the district court's ruling on the stay motion, which was issued in May. Again, that precedes their May, their June 20, 2022 motion to dismiss the appeal, which we were just talking about. But in that motion, in that order from May at page 15 of the addendum, what the district court is responding to are all of the party's arguments about Rule 4.2. We argue that the Rule 4.2 doesn't apply to the Peruvian investigation, even if it's related. It doesn't apply to the parties. It doesn't apply uh, via U.S. counsel because Peruvian counsel isn't an agent of, of uh, sorry, Peruvian counsel isn't an agent of U.S. counsel. And those are the arguments that the, that the district court is responding to in that stay order that the plaintiffs were just citing. It isn't talking about the All Writs Act. Again, the All Writs Act didn't come up in this appeal until July 2022 in the plaintiff's response brief for the first time. Now, as your honors, everyone has noted, there are currently All Writs Act action, a motion about the All Writs Act that is pending in the district court. It's targeted, the motion was targeted at Florida proceedings. And I'd like to just explain a little bit what those proceedings are. One is an action in federal court under 28 section 1782 to assist the Peruvian law enforcement officials in gathering evidence for the use in the Peruvian investigation. It's a specific vehicle to help assist with foreign 
uh, foreign proceedings. And one is a malicious prosecution case uh, that is intended to you know, seek compensation for plaintiffs that were included in this action about without, um, without just cause. Those are not the same thing. They're not directly related to the proving investigation. The proving investigation has been going on since early 2021. Uh, it's proceeding that Peruvian law enforcement is acting independently in investigating what's happening in Peru. But regardless of what's going on in Peru, regardless of what the courts you know, were saying in their October 28th uh, status conference, you know, the All Writs Act issue was not before the court when this order was issued. And so this court should focus on Rule 4.2. And the fact, Your Honor, as Your Honor mentioned, that the Peruvian investigation was somehow brought up by the court in the hearing, I think further cautions against prejudging the All Writs Act question, because it isn't properly before this court. It wasn't ever raised. It wasn't the, the basis of the plaintiff's motion. It wasn't addressed by the district court. And you know, whatever the scope of the All Writs Act motion is, it's currently pending and it hasn't been resolved. So there's no need for this court to wade into the morass. What the court should do is it should hold that the district court's order predicated on Rule 4.2 is erroneous because it misunderstands and misapplies Rule 4.2. That rule doesn't apply extraterritorially to Peruvian counsel. It doesn't apply to defendants. And Peruvian counsel isn't acting as an agent of U.S. counsel. So there's no, you know, the circumvention that counsel is talking about is unsupported by the record in this case. So if there are no further questions, uh, the court should vacate the district court's order. Thank you. Thank you. Court appreciates counsel's appearance today and argument and briefing. It's a uh bit of a handful, but we'll wrestle with it and do our best to issue an opinion in due course.